Hi there, my name is Safo Akono, and welcome to the Launchpad Stories podcast, which is a part of Launchpad, an initiative of Endorn and Company Law Firm. Launchpad focuses on providing free legal education to women entrepreneurs. In this podcast, we let you into the jaw-dropping lives of many successful entrepreneurs in their very own words. They share their entrepreneurial journeys with us, which of course are littered with many stumbling blocks that they turned into stepping stones. Whether you're a budding entrepreneur or a well-established business owner, this podcast is for you. If you're looking for business inspiration, you certainly click the right button. Enjoy. Our guests for this episode are Adam Keith and Kofi Marfo, the co-owners of Bloom Bar, one of the most iconic and popular bars in Accra. We spoke about the importance of doing your research before starting a business. We spoke about innovation in Ghana's hospitality sector and the realities of being an entrepreneur. So, Bloom has two founders. Right. Adam Keith and Kofi Mafo. Okay. These are the two founders of Bloom Bar. Um, I would say Bloom started, or that, that, the love for hospitality started mm-hmm. in 2010. Okay. It's a long time ago. When um, back in university, we would organize events. Mm-hmm. And um, he would usually handle the cost and then the operational side and then I would usually come up with the idea or the innovation and the marketing mm. and then we would work together. Now after uni, obviously um, everyone has their story so yeah. we, we kind of parted ways. He moved to the US and I stayed in Ghana. Okay. You know, um, doing my own entrepreneurial activities. Mm. Now while in the US, I remember um, Adam was a, he is a big fan of um, bartending. Really, and I remember one 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 time, he tried connecting with one of the top bartenders in the country, right, to help him, you know, um, master their craft. Mm. He would chase this guy over and over again, and this guy would not even give him the face. So, he got tired. Um, the guy, I think, also one time when he made time for Adam, just mentioned an outrageous amount, say, two thousand Ghana cities for. I think like three sessions or something. No, no, it wasn't two thousand. He, oh, he mentioned some outrageous amount in dollars. In dollars, yeah, yeah, back then. See, so um, right around that time, we happened to go on a holiday in the U.S. Okay. And on our way back to Ghana, I, you know, I, we had a conversation. I was like, Adam, I don't think you should come back to Ghana if you're really in love with, you know, bartending. Why don't you take it up here and see how far we can go with this? Because Maybe someday something can come out of it. But mm. coming back to Ghana to pursue the passion there, whereas you can stay in the U.S. and learn it, I think you should take the courses and you know do something. Yeah. This was back when, 2000? Around 2014. 2014, yeah. So he stayed there, and he has his own story. He will share that when, you know, <laughs> as we move. But long story short, in 2017, I think we were both going through something in our lives. Mm. I had a certain point in time in 2017, I had lost everything I was doing with regards to business. 
Wow. I had been through a number of businesses. And at that point, I had, uh, I, I was working with, um, you know, a group of people in a gym. And certain mm. things had gone wrong. And um, I have uh, other businesses I was working on. Everything was going wrong. I was in heavy debt. Wow. And I remember going to Sun City. Mm. So I went there. I was just going to relax because I heard they, have a, they had a rooftop. So when I went there, I was... I went to the rooftop by myself and I was looking at the place and I was like, ah, make a call them. So I called him and I'm like, Charlie, I'm in a space right now and I think we can do something amazing. You've been doing this bartending thing for some time. You've gone to culinary school. I think you have the knowledge. I understand the Ghanaian market. Why don't we, you know, at this point in our life, risk everything and try something different? So what we did was <clears throat> some last money saved. <laughs> I went to the U.S. Now, with what was going on in my life at that point in time, you remember I said I, was, I took a, a course in how to become a, a personal trainer because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a fitness fanatic. And it was two things. If Bloomberg didn't work out, I would move back to the U.S. and be a personal trainer. So it was all or nothing for Bloomberg. So while we were there, a lot of things went on. You know, you, you would talk to somebody back in the day about um, you're going to do a bar business. They'll look at you like, ah, but you have your master's degree, you have your first degree, why you they go to bar? What was your master's degree in? Project management, EMBA. Okay, okay. So they'll look at you and go for bar. You talk to somebody somewhere, they'll look at you like, ah, now, let me just say in, in the tree, like, and we heard that a few times, mm. but they never understood the vision. Right. Because in our own story to become the entrepreneurs that we have become, we've gone through a lot of things and we, we believe in always making change or being the trendsetter or doing it at the level that it's, it's not mediocre. Right. So the bar that we envisioned is not what they were picturing because when we talk hospitality back in the day, people just see it as hotels mm-hmm. and maybe a restaurant. But the bar has never been a prestigious sector in under the hospitality uh, you know, industry. So we risked everything. If, if we, can, we, can, we can go into it later, but we risked everything at that point in time. And 2017, I came to Ghana first to make sure everything was conducive while Adam also quit his job as a bartender. By then, I think he had bartended from, he, he got his degree, um, his qualification, certification, his diploma, right. everything, and also was ready. So he quit his job and said, Kofi, this one day I do, I'm so if we go away, no work, I, I die. I said, bro, it will work. So I remember in that period where we were both in the U.S. planning for Bloomba, we visited, I think, 140-something bars and restaurants. Ghana? No, in the U.S. Okay. So we had moved from D.C. Mm. We checked out places in Jersey. We checked out places in Atlanta. We checked out places in New York. And each time, it was just to make sure we gained some kind of global perspective on where the industry was going. Right. Because if you can grasp it, then you can actually bring it and give people the quality of what's going on, Mm. you know, outside. So people can relate, especially those who are exposed, those who are traveling, those who even aspire. 
So Pedat, we sta- he started working on the menu. He develops all the menus and all the cocktails. Wow. So he started developing what he felt would, what he felt at that time would fit the Ghanaian palate. Mm. So we came up with the idea of the fish bowls, which is his idea. And Crazy then, fish bowls. Yeah. And I remember we happened to randomly walk somewhere in Harlem, mm. and we saw the lights. Yeah. And then it was just a conversation like, actually, but the lights it go be. No, no, Kobe. It got to a point where we invested on everything we had into glassware, hardware, the small construction what we do, we did. So we were thinking about what exactly we do for decor to make the place outstanding. Yeah. Okay, but the investment into the glassware and all that was for the bar. For the yeah, bar. For yeah. Okay. So the budget was very tight. Mm. And extremely the, tight. The quotes we were getting for the decor was it wasn't possible. So we're stuck and we're just thinking, what, what exactly could we do to sure. just make the place outstanding? And we're just walking one day, just discussing the possibilities and just laughing at ourselves because we knew there's no way we could find money for the budget. Uh, at this point, we're in deep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There was no going back. Then we're just walking and we saw, it was a Starbucks. We saw these lights in like a mini park by Starbucks. And I stopped, Kofi, I said, Kofi, look. And we looked at it, both looked at it and we said, you know what? Will this work? Mm. Then we said maybe it might work. They said, nah, it's good to work. We went home, went online, started looking for the lights. And that was it. We found one all the way in Texas. Wow. Then we had to go around all New York and New Jersey looking for the bulbs. You're going to find them. Yeah. Then Kofi had to make calls in Ghana. We had to see whether we could get them from China. We had no idea how we would get them. Then Kofi, Kofi had, had upon. My arrival in Ghana, I went to this Chinese lady, and what I'd done, we had done our research on the lights because it wasn't any regular lights. You needed the Edison light bulb, mm. one that you could, you know, regulate the brightness. Okay. Okay. So that with the Edison light bulbs, they had different patterns of the, I think it's called the tungsten in yeah. there, and that was what gave the ambience and the quality to the the Edison light bulb. So I I came to Ghana and I described the light bulbs to the Chinese lady. And then she said, oh, we can, we can get it for you. So the first batch of lights that came to Ghana were ordered for Bloomba. Wow. The ladies in East Lagoon. And she said, so now people go there and say, we want some of the Bloomba, the Bloomba lights. Wait, quick question. I have just read that for most successful entrepreneurs, the common trait is that they are serial entrepreneurs. They try things, it fails, move to the next one till. Yeah. But I'm here thinking that when I was growing up, we've heard of like so many other bars, if not bars, nightclubs and things like that, we just existed for a short while. And then it was no more, like, oh, there was a frenzy and then no more, it dies out. Why did you think that you could survive this long? Or did you never think that you'd get to this point? Uh, we, I would say we, we thought, because um, like I said, if you talk about serial entrepreneurs, yeah, I have been through my own journey to yeah. get to this point. He has been through a journey to get to this point. And um, I'll say we are blessed to have gone to, you know, be, been educated. Mm. And we are blessed to also be exposed. Now, as with my journey as an entrepreneur, I have taken a lot of risk on not any regular venture. I've, I've, I've done mining. Mm. I've been in um, vegetable supply where I would go to Abobushi myself, some of my boys, we clean the veggies and we'll supply. At one point, I was supplying KFC. 
and you know other big companies vegetables wow. like tomatoes lettuce and i've tried these things i have failed i have mm. failed at some but i have learned a lot of lessons mm. now with that you come to a point where you learn so many lessons when you are approaching a business you are not looking short term wow. you plan enough to go long term yeah and it all comes down to also the passion with everything that i ventured i i was doing these things to survive but when right. it comes to um, hospitality precisely specifically restaurant and bars we are crazy in love with the industry mm. so we entering was to make impact it wasn't about the money when we we're getting in we felt like at that point we studied um sales um Pepper Pop. Yeah. Okay. So cocktail is a big thing. They are doing five fingers. Um, these people. Republic. Mm. They were doing Kokoroko. It was a big deal. People were enjoying going out to drink the famous cocktails. But the ambience that they provided at that point in time, it got to a point when the middle class was growing, they wanted something more exclusive, something more different, something more upscale. Right. So instead in the market, we decided to, you know, why don't we give them dope vibes, good music, nice chairs to sit on. Yeah. Um, let's position it in a beautiful space. Let's, let's give them signature cocktails, something like Kokoko uh, uh, and, and, and uh, Five Fingers, but a number of it. Mm-hmm. But let's do it such that since social media is picking up, it is something that they would want to take their cameras and take pictures and share with friends. So it was well thought of. Right. Okay. But when we're getting into the business, we did not see that it will blow up in a short, amount of, a short time. amount of time. That I'll be very honest with you. Okay, so this is the point I would ask. How old is Bloomba? <laughs> it turns five this year. Which month? In December. Wow. Yeah. The best month for Bloomba yeah. to turn yeah. five. Okay, great. Um, I think we need to add during, um, if we'll get to that part, uh, yeah. Sun City, the amount of time we spend there. But also, to circle back, one of the driving forces behind our success is research. So I believe every entrepreneur, before you venture into any business, your research has to be 110% because if you enter something and you have no idea yeah. what exactly you are getting into. It's and then you even mentioned that you visited over 100 bars yeah. in the U.S. So I'm wondering, that space of time visiting all these bars discussing what would work, what would not work. How long are we talking before you came to Ghana to start Bloomba? It was from about June. Yeah, from June. June to November. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you spend that entire time yeah, running. Apart from the fish, bro, I think little aspect of Bloomba that has changed the culture is, mm-hmm. um, I would say, the Prosecco culture. Okay. Yeah. So one of the things we decided to bring to Ghana was a Prosecco culture. First, it was all about champagne. Yeah. But we realized... You know what, Prosecco is not that bad of a sparkling wine. Mm. People want to enjoy it, but not the expensive, let's say, Champagne or Moet or those high-end yeah. ones. So we decided to, when we started Bloomba, that would be one of also the unique selling points. Mm. Is that when you get into Bloomba, you can actually, you don't have to break the bank to buy a sparkling wine. Right. Or buy something that would pop. Yeah. Because every, the whole idea was we wanted everyone to feel like there was someone. That was the mindset. So if, if you notice, there's nothing like a VIP section or 
in Bloomberg. We just want it's just we want it to be a space where everybody comes in, just have a good time. A good time. It's not too pretentious. It's just straightforward fun. Mm-hmm. Have your fun and just everybody just go. So the current venue where it started. No. no. So it was from Sun City, you mentioned. Yes, it was. So how long were you there? For? Two weeks. What? Two weeks. <laughs> Two weeks. Yeah, yes. No, tell me about that. How did the whole transit was your was the venue <laughs> ready? Is that why you moved? Yeah, so um when we when we were getting uh when we when we started the business in Sun City, um, I would in all honesty, I think everybody doubted what we were doing. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I'll say I'm proud to say this today. We had spoken to a number of suppliers when we we're about to open. This is just one example. Yeah. And on the day of opening, most of these suppliers had agreed to give us some of the drinks on credit to kickstart. Because mm. mind you, we had exhausted all funds. We had no support. Right. Not from anyone. So on the day, we were zero on cash. And we knew the drinks were coming on credit. On that day, that's when the suppliers decided to call us and tell us, oh, we cannot bring, you have to pay cash up front. On the day, we're opening, the invitations were out. We're opening at 5 p.m. I got the call around 1.45. That, that, that was the last supplier. The other ones that are disappointed. Mind you, even on that day, the, the, the container hadn't arrived. Yes, our container. Where's the container have? Furniture. Our, f- our fish bowl, our furniture. My goodness. Everything <laughs> hadn't arrived. Yes, our bar station. So on the first the first um, week, first week and a half, I was bartending alone um, from, from an ice chest. chest. Wow, from yeah. an ice chest. And the fish bowls that we had, we had put in our suitcase when we were coming to Ghana. Just in case. So I brought some, and he also brought some. So we started with about nine fish bowls. Fish bowls. Yeah. Wow, I'm speechless. Yeah. No, tell and me on the about day that. Day of yeah. opening, when the suppliers decided not to come through, mm-hmm. I remember we got a loan from my mom. Yes. 1,100 Ghana cities. Yes. And then we went to ShopRite. I remember the check very well. Yes. Went I, went to ShopRite. To, I went to the shop. At first, I got the call. I'll just, I'll just say a story. I was in Kofi's, Kofi's house in his mm-hmm. kitchen. I was squeezing fresh juice, lemon juice. Okay. Nervous because that was our first day. We worked so hard. We went all in. Was, it, was this going to work? All those stuff. It was both of you. Just both of you. Kofi was on the site trying to just get the place ready because... We, we didn't have our container and we had to find a way to get furniture and tables in for that day when we were right. to open. So I was all the way in Sakumono, sitting down in the kitchen, squeezing the juice. Then I get the last call. So I remember I dropped my head and Kofi's mom just walked in the kitchen. She said, what's wrong? And I said that we are in trouble. I don't know how I'm going to do it. We have no drinks. Jeez. And she said, you know what? Don't worry. And she gave us a cash check of 1100 She said, will this be enough? Do you need more? I said, nah, this will be fine. Went to cash the check, went straight to ShopRite, bought enough drinks. Um, I got one drink of one. If it's um, Hennessy VS, I got one bottle. Mm. If it was um, Jack Daniels, I got one bottle. Jack Daniels, honey, I got one bottle. I got one bottle of vodka just to start for that day so we could survive for that day. Wow. So... Luckily, people showed up. We're grateful. How many people? Um, the first day was was amazing. We ran out of drinks very early. I and mean, we you had buy to, one bottle. We, <laughs> we had to run to um, Pepper Pub. Yes, to went buy some series. But we ran out of juice. Also, yeah. we had to just keep. We're scrambling. We're really scrambling that day, and we ran out of ice because 
we knew we had something good, mm-hmm. but it really, really exploded that those those few, exactly. those first few weeks. Yeah. So those were the first two weeks at Sun City. Yes. So let's talk about the segue. How did we get to the current venue? Okay, so um, on the thirty first, during our um, our time in Sun City. Yeah. First of all, we were were underestimated by the management of Sun City. Mm. So when Bloomberg blew up, say five days in operations at Sun City, they started to give us headache. Where they would say, um, we, they didn't sign up for this. There's too many people coming. And we would say, ah, but you organize parties. And yeah. a lot of people come. So what is the issue? Besides, our, our space is even smaller than the space that you use for your, your events. But they clearly just had a problem with the fact that people will come. As you have to pass through where they are having their event to go to San City, yeah. to go to our, to go to Bloomberg, and they will walk right past them. And they said we're stifling their business, we're destroying their business. And it, it became... It wasn't a comfortable situation. Oh, so that really meant that they didn't expect you to be successful. Oh, yeah. They, oh, no, they didn't. Really giving you the space. No, I'll, I'll say it's from the beginning. Um, some of the management of Sanity approached me and told me my cocktails were not good. They, they, they used the S word. Yes. So people say your cocktails are. Wow. Yes, yeah. They said it to him. Right. On, straight up. But that's another thing. I just You have to believe in yourself. And right. just... Unfortunately, the community that we have, we have people that are ready to tell you you're no good. They're mm-hmm. ready to put you down and mock you. But if you just have to believe in yourself and believe in what you're doing, understand that you have a good product that you're putting out there. If right. not, people, and you listen to too many people outside, I'm not saying that I don't listen to constructive criticism, yeah. but if you listen to some of the criticism that's unwarranted, yeah. it really affects your psyche and how to approach yeah. business. So on the 31st of December 2017, we finished work, and everything was fine. When we woke mm. up in the morning, there was a post on social media. I actually have all these things I'm telling you. I have pictures. Maybe I'll show you after. <laughs> so there was a post. Bloomba is closed. And it was on the Sun City page. Yeah. Oh. And I, I don't know. I, it scared me for a second. So I, I rushed to his room. And I said, ah, you see the post. So I showed it to him. Then we went to the venue. And we realized that at the entrance... To gain access to Bloomberg, they had chained it with a padlock. Wow. Yeah. They had shut us down without informing us and didn't care that people were going to come there that day. Yeah. And the most insulting part of it all, they used our space and avenue to throw a party. And our equipment. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So it was it was a very it was it was quite nasty. Yeah. But at the end of the day, we don't own the space. We're renting it. Mm. And they don't want you there. What do you do? You move on. You move. And after we left, everybody would tell us that, guys, if there's no rooftop, it won't survive. It won't work. It's all about the rooftop. Yeah. It's this, it's that, it's this, it's that. So that's how we left Sun City. Mm. And then through a, a, real, a real estate um, agent, we found a new space. So how long before you found the new space? Um, we found the new space and we started late. working late April. No, we, we, we started business in late April, but we found the space early February. Early February, yeah. We, we took a month going around first. We, start, we, we also thought that, you know what, we need to find a rooftop because part of the idea was to bring the rooftop culture, rooftop bar culture mm. to Ghana. But ultimately, we also wanted to have the idea of opening more bars. Okay. So we started doing the research, looking all around the... It, all our cantonments. 
Osula Boni looking for looking for a rooftop space. There, there was none really available that was conducive for business. Mm. So naturally, I'll just let you know, Kofi and I, we don't give up when it comes to certain things. I'm guessing that's impression <laughs> <Yeah>. already. <laughs> we are very we are very stubborn. So um, I remember this real estate agent, Stephen. He called me one day and said that he has a perfect space. He took me there. I said, nah, this is not it. They took me to another space. I told him, this is not it. Then I told him that, you know what, don't call me again. I'm going to find somebody else. <laughs> I, don't want to, I don't want to deal with you again. Please don't call me. He said, no, 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 no. He has a space. He has a space. The people are good. Please, please, please. Just give me one chance. I said, Stephen, if I go to this place and I don't like it, please. And I'm looking for a rooftop. So it took me to the current location. I got there. I looked around at first. I got a bit upset because I said it's not a rooftop. Yeah, it's not. And he said, oh, but you should just take a look. So I started looking at that place, and I said, you know what? Hmm. Then I called Kofi on the phone. I said, I asked Kofi, you know what? I think we found the space. It's not a rooftop, but I think we found the space. Then Kofi came over. It'll work. And um, I remember when we found the space, um, obviously it took some time to raise the money because we had lost a lot of money doing... Um, the investment, the investment for two weeks, <laughs> and it didn't last. We didn't, we didn't get our money back. It was uh, pure um, downhill from there. And, but, um, but it was a blessing in disguise because amazing blessing. We got the experience. We got the confidence that the concept will work. Oh yeah, people that came in enjoyed our product. Mm. So that's that's what gave us the confidence. You know what? Whatever we do, this is a, this will be a successful venture. How many? I'm wondering, how were you able to get people when you were at Sun City? Was it by word of mouth? Or how were you marketing, yeah, advertising and, 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 to get Twitter. people? Yes, Twitter. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But we also tapped into um, our network. network. We invited friends that we knew. They also invited people. And that's the thing about Bloomberg. It's always been a community. Right. Everybody, we feel like everybody has... A, a, a hand in making Bloomberg successful. Which is why I thought it was owned by a group of... <laughs> no, it is. It's a... I'll say we are, we are all a big family. Yeah. yeah. Our friends were very supportive. Yes. Mm. Extremely supportive. They were, they were there like business owners. Sometimes when we run out of stuff, all our friends would get behind the bar. Wow. Yeah, everybody yeah. be helping. Everybody just hopping our car 2 a.m., 3 a.m. Yeah. Driving, just going and get whatever we need. People be helping yeah. with managing the crowd. Mm. Everything. Carrying stuff, just everybody's been amazing. And and I think I have a testimony to that because my brother who lives in the UK and he comes home every December, he's a huge fan of Bloomba. So one time, this was my second time ever going to Bloomba. And we look so much alike anyway. So I enter, park my car, I'm entering, and then one of the bounces. I mean, he comes to me, he's greasing me, he's talking to me like he knows me. I'm like, Bro, I don't know you. I don't know where this is from. Then I find out that, oh, he actually knows my brother. Like, there's such a good relationship. You know, the, the, the vibe's good. The vibe's good. So people really, really enjoy that. So I think, I think that's great. But if you had found a new venue and you're not making a lot of money or you didn't have enough money for, I mean, from the Sun City experience, how were you able to, you know, get this new place? Did you buy it or rent for a while? We had an angel investor. Oh, okay. Yeah, we yeah. had. So it's a very interesting thing how it happened. Um, so basically, when we shipped our items the first time we brought, mm -hmm. uh, we did the container. Our 
accountant then had a friend that was a shipping that is a shipping agent. Okay. Based off of the relationship between our accountant and the shipping agent, they gave us a credit line. So the guy cleared our goods for us because honestly we didn't have the cash to clear our goods. Mm-hmm. We didn't have the money. We were all tapped out. So the guy gave us two weeks to pay him back the clearing fee. Right. So he paid and then at the end of the two weeks, we didn't waste his time. He heard that the place had been shut down, but we still paid. So when he had, we were doing, we were trying to bounce back. Yeah. Through that same accountant, he was like, my guy thinks you guys are very honest. And he wouldn't mind supporting you. And he's liquid enough. So he would put in the word. And as soon as he did, the guy was like, oh, why not? I will support you. And that was what made it kick off the second time. Crazy. Yeah. I think this is probably my most important question for both of you. And I'll be happy both of you answer individually. Why did you think or why did you choose each other? Like, Because from what you're saying, you have friends who supported. It looks like you have a, you know, you have a good support system. But all through your story, Kofi, you're seeing that Edem and then Edem, you decided to call Kofi all throughout. Is it just because one was a bartender, one had good... One was, had a, a master's degree in project management, or why exactly do you choose to choose each other every single day in business? Um, very good question. I'll say first thing, Kofi and I were, we're more like brothers than friends. Um, we, we basically grew up together. Okay. We started from Nursery One. Nursery One, yeah. Is and that far back? Yeah, yeah. Monster. Okay. Um, all the way through, I've always been friends. Even throughout the time that I was traveling and going back and forth, we always stayed in contact. Right. So we've 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 been very close, and we I think it wasn't really a decision that was made per se. We all had the same interests. We're all interested in business. Mm. We're all interested in hospitality, and I think God works in mysterious ways. When we're young and we're throwing parties at sweeties together. We had no, we we always knew that maybe we want to do something. You were throwing parties. Yes, we were. Our sweeties. When, when we were in school. Wow. Okay. Um. So, I guess it was God that was just creating a synergy for something great later on. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. So I would say, um, individually, we've all been built in our own way, but one thing that we have that you know keeps this energy, this synergy, is the love and respect. Okay. Because we respect each other, no matter how tough a decision has to be made, we can go off on each other like crazy. <laughs> go off. We we can insult each other. You think these guys after this they won't? That was going to be my next question. <laughs> but we would do it, and we know the the picture is bigger than us, and that has always been it for us. To the point where when we started Bloomba, we decided to stay behind the scene and let Bloomba be a brand. So for the longest time, people couldn't point out who the owners were. Yeah, because we wanted the brand to be a strong brand and not Kofi's place or Adam's place. Right. And with that mentality, that's how we move. With that mentality, we 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 are just about the big picture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that respect that we give to the big picture and we give to each other, we don't see the need to, uh, you know, and and, and not connect. Yeah. We also know this this thing is bigger than us. I mean, we have. We have people that their livelihoods are at stake. Mm. People leave their homes and come to work. 
and they work they work their butts off. So some 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 things are bigger than us. Yeah, and it's bigger than us because we started with how many workers? Started with about nine. Nine. Yeah. <laughs> we started with nine workers. Now we employ a hundred and twelve. For Bloom by alone. I mean, total. Our ventures. So I was even going to ask yeah. about your ventures. I know of Bloomba. I know of East End. Yeah. That's all I know. Are there other ventures? And is there a parent's company? Well, we pray We pray with time we can... Uh, <laughs> okay. Oh, no fair. We, we I respect that. We, we, we can we discuss, <laughs> discuss, we can discuss yeah. some, some... I respect that. Yeah. I respect that. But, but right now, is, um, for right now, what we are putting out there is East End Bistro. And, yeah. And if 112 people are relying on you, and the way the way Ghana business is, sometimes you have a personal relationship with the workers, and these guys also go through a lot of things. Yeah. And it makes you see the picture is bigger than maybe our ego. Yeah. So with that mindset, I think we can go a very long way. Mm. Yeah. So you've spoken about being resilient, and I can see that how both of you never give up. Is it easier because you have each other to lean on, or you're just or individually, yeah, just like that. I think it's it's easier because both honestly we both lean on God. That's right. number one. Okay. But it's also easy because we we talk about everything. So when mm. we are struggling, we can laugh. We we can cry about it. We'll sit here and complain and then we'll laugh about it. Yeah. I say, ah Charlie, he's day. <laughs> <laughs> but did you not have fears that this business would not work like the other businesses? Um, I would say once in a while to pop in your mind when things get tough. But ultimately, I don't. I, don't, I, I always just, I knew it was going to work. Kofi, we knew it was going to work, no matter what. It was oh. going to. It was going to work. It had to work by force of fire. <laughs> <laughs> and what are some of the challenges you faced since you know being a lot more stable in quotes? Um, I'll say staff staff retention. Mm. Okay, it's uh, yeah, it's quite a number. Yeah. Um, if we if we had to categorize it, um, staff is one, and yeah. um, the reason why sometimes staffing is a problem is number one, our bar industry, yeah, it's not a very prestigious industry. Mm. When you we were on our A game, every member of staff had at least a first degree, and wow. it was beautiful to have employed people that had a first degree because. Yeah their level of reasoning and what their delivery is mm. what we wanted. And at that point, you get to a certain time, their family, their parents, their siblings are telling them, actually, why are you working in a bar? Yeah. You can't build a career there. Yeah. Like, it's not for you. Somebody's mom would call and probably put uh, Adam or ask to speak to Adam or myself and say, I won't, me, 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 I'll speak to you here. Teach man, maybe so jai. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and it's it's something that has it's it's happened over and over and over and over with the very qualified, you know, staff that you employ. Mm. So that has been the problem with the retention. Yeah. They see it as a means to an end. It's never a career place for them. Right. And that actually happened to me in uni, in undergrad. I thought that I didn't I didn't have a need particularly for money, but. I always thought I wanted to try being a waiter, doing bartending, you know, just to make, I thought I was old enough to make some money on my own, but my family would just not have it. So like, I can totally understand, which is why it's a shock that you could have 
people with first degrees. Even with my my, my career path, I yeah. got a lot of comments and some pushback also when I decided to neglect my undergrad was in marketing. Okay. So my the whole idea was I was going to be one of the best marketers in West Africa when I was younger. Yeah. But I got a lot of pushback when I decided to neglect that path and go this route, which was a culinary route. Mm. So it's, it's unfortunately it's normal, but it shouldn't be normal because the the prospect for the hospitality industry is amazing. I mean, countries basically live off their GDP. Most of their GDP is from the hospitality industry. Let's mm. say most of these islands, but that picture is not painted to our people here. It seems that I don't know whether it's the culture where um, the idea of servitude makes you seem like you are lower than someone. Yeah. I, I, I think that that culture needs to be broken because this industry, right now, if you if you probably go to Ghana Tourism and look at the figures, the amount of people that are employed in this industry, it's a whole lot of number. And you have all these young people that could also venture into this industry. Right. No. Hmm. Interesting. So apart from the issue with staff retention, yeah. is that about all the issues you have now? I mean... Let me even be more specific. Yeah. A lot of, okay, not a lot of times, but a few times I've heard of very chaotic scenes at the bar. There's been like a fight breakout and things like that. Do you not have regulators clamping down on you, authorities, things like that? So with, with Bloomba, as you can tell, we have been in the spotlight. So yeah, I mean, heavy is the head that always the crown. The crown. We've been under a lot of scrutiny, but we welcome it because it, it makes us we stay on point. We make sure that all our things are in order. So we, we actually welcome it because sometimes when these regulatory bodies come and, let's say, monitor what you are doing, and the way they are doing their job, yeah, it's good for the industry. Mm-hmm. It's good for people to always, somebody to always be there to just check, not check you, but like have things in order. Yeah. You can overlook certain things. So it's not a bad thing per se. To have regulatory bodies just have an eye on you. It's, yeah. it's for the betterment of everyone. And is it easier to keep on top of those things? Like um, all these forms you need to fill, fast service, all these kind of things? Yeah, I mean, we, we so one one beautiful thing is we we didn't set out to start a business that wasn't, isn't, doesn't have structures or systems. Mm. We have a procurement team. Okay. We have a finance team. We have a... Um, Compliance. Compliance team. Okay. So it's a full office, and everyone is doing what they have to do, and and, and that's another thing that I I don't think people know about how, the way we run our operations. We are we are very corporate. It might seem on the outside because the product is what we are selling. Yeah. That's the hospitality and taking care of people that come in there. We're selling food and drinks, but in the back end, we are very very structured. Yeah, structure yeah. is great. I feel like you may not want to ask, answer this question, but well, I'll ask I want to tell you the challenge before. One, one, one challenge with this business is you almost don't have a personal life. Yes, mm. it's, a, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a, it's challenging. It's a very challenging position because for like two years, I don't think Adam and I had been to any family event. Yeah, even in Christmas. Mm-hmm. Wait, but in my mind, it's usually just active in the evening. <laughs> no, no, the, the evening is the easiest part. Wow, that's that's a cakewalk. Yeah. Once business starts, that's the that's actually where you take a deep breath, and you know that okay, everything is fine. Yeah. Once business is operational, so it takes away. It's not a nine to five for 
us, depending on the position you're in. Yeah. It's not a nine-to-five. It's, it's a, f- it's a full-time, all-hours work. And it's not about, because maybe you don't have a solid team or, mm. or you know, you don't have the systems in place, but the, the way the job is, it kind of sucks you in. Yeah. Because a typical day in our life, you wake up today, straight away you're asking for reports, you're dealing with um, suppliers, you're looking at finance, you're looking at sales reports. And when you're looking at all of that, you're now also planning um, what's, what are the new ideas for this week? How can you boost sales? What's the patronage on your Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? Um, okay, um, what's marketing saying about what we can do about this? Mm-hmm. Okay, oh, we have um, an, event coming up. an event coming up. We need to contact the, the marketing team or the innovation guys. Let's see what we can come up with and what's new in time. It's, it's a lot of things constantly being dealt with. So what you see from the outside, a lot, a lot of work goes into the, the, the final product that people come in and then they see. Right. Yeah, because things have to be done behind the scenes for you to come and see what you see. Even training. Mm. He is mostly in the training. He mostly works on the packets that we use to train the staff. Okay. And it's a lot of work putting things together because the training changes when the consumer changes. Right. And the consumer is also another challenge. The Ghanaians are very unpredictable. So you always have to adapt, and it's a challenge. Yeah. Because you don't know when they would adapt, and someone elsewhere will give them what they are looking for before you do. Right. So you always have to be ahead. Is that the reason for the day parties? Oh, the day parties. How did that even come about? The day parties was something we, we knew that Ghana needed the day party. Really? Yes. We had experienced it in, in, in New York a few times. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. We, had, we had experienced it so a few times. So, Ghana was ready for day parties, especially... Not everyone likes to go out late. Some people, let's say, I won't say carefree, but they want to go home at a quote-unquote respectable time. Right. But they also want to come and have a decent amount of fun. And we saw that, you know what, we could do that for people. Mm. We could give people that option. So, that's how the day party came about. Oh, okay. If I'm thinking that you and you mentioned you went to Morningstar, so a huge part of your developmental stage was in Ghana, yes. right? Growing up, and if it's anything like where I grew up, then you definitely have people coming from the religious point of view that the job you are involved in is very ungodly, or why are you keeping people out this late, or what sort of things are you people encouraging? Okay, so. We've been denied a loan because of that before. Yes. And that's very sad. Yes. Now, in, in <laughs> we said, like we were saying from, we've been saying from the beginning, people don't recognize the hospitality, to be precise, the bar and restaurant space as a force to reckon with. Right. They still see it as a mediocre sector. Mm. So when we would even go in meetings back in the day, Sometimes, if you were making certain demands from these financial establishments, they throw requirements at you like you can't, you cannot even provide. Mm. Okay, so we need an audited account, thinking you cannot provide. So, but anytime they ask, we say we have it, we have it, we have it. Now, this is a situation where you spoke about challenges, and 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 we we failed to mention that one's ability to even grow in this space is a challenge, because. In certain developed countries where the financial systems are set up to support businesses, over yeah. here, our industry, if you are Ghanaian mm-hmm. and you are black, 
you will struggle to gain access to funds to even grow. Yes. Yeah. So at the point where we, we, we were working on a project one time, and we sat with one of our top financial establishments, at the very end, they told us that the, the lady authorizing the thing at the top has religious beliefs that signing on this will not sit well with her, so we cannot process this loan for And this was not a religious organization that you were seeing? No, this was a financial institution. But you see, Um, the ramifications of that is that business would have employed hundreds of people. Absolutely. But unfortunately, it's a perception where it seemed to be, I don't know, ungodly or... Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's it's a business. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> we have more of these stories, though. But what do you consider a non-negotiable for business? Bending our values, principles, principles. Mm-hmm. You know our worth. Yeah. And what are your principles? So, let me put it this way: when we were getting into this business. Yeah. The mindset that we have and we still hold on to is that we are in to make change. We want to make impact in the hospitality sector. We want to bring prestige to the sector. Mm. More often than not, a typical example could be you get to a certain stage, certain people would approach you to do certain things within your business space. Mm. And it happens. It happens in any business. Even you lawyers, I'm sure you face all the time. All the time. But ethically, people have the perception that people in our space always conform to the wrong. Right. But our, our values, we know what is wrong and what is right. So anything that would not further the growth or even anything that we cannot live with because of our godly upbringing, those make up our principles. We will not bend, we will not fold. Mm. We will stick to it and we'll work our way up. We don't believe in shortcuts. And how do you, maybe this is me just assuming, let me know if it's here, because I know one of you is married to a friend of mine's older sister, which is only what I'm asking, <laughs> but you mentioned that it's very consuming and then we are talking about principles and you know, how, how does that work? How do you mesh that with your family? How do you stay, stay on top of all of this? That's what I'm asking. Planning. You plan your time. You plan your life. And having a partner like Adam, it gives you the leeway to also have that you know, backup. Right. So you can tell him that, bro, um, next week, I'll need A, B, and C time off for family. Right. Cover up for me. Okay. And you know he'll still get the work done. So it's all about planning and who you're in with. So... What do you enjoy most about being an entrepreneur? Um, solving problems, just creating solutions. Mm. That's 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 and making an impact. So, the impact that you are talking about, to get it clear, is just to change the conception, the misconception about the hospitality industry. We change the trajectory of hospitality in Ghana. Mm. That's what we did. You have, you have actually, and. How exactly do you think it's changed? How have you changed the nightlife in Accra? Uh, look around you now. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's yet. You, um, see, you see a lot of young people now have the courage to yeah. own spaces, which when we started, we're, we're kind of the unicorns. When we started, we, it was a lot of foreign-owned spaces. And apart from 
the major one, which is Eric. He's like the godfather mm. with Twist. But a lot of the spaces were foreign-owned, and we're the only young people that had the courage to... Take it to that level that yeah. we did. And um, we, we, I, we, we strongly believe that we... A lot of people wanted to venture this path. Yeah. I wouldn't say they didn't have the courage, but it is beautiful to know that we paved the way for a lot of them to have, to gain that inspiration to pursue it. Right. And if you look at most of the spaces that opened after us, the DNA is in there. Right. Everybody would focus on the cocktails and the vibes. Yeah. Everybody's now focusing on making, making sure their ambience, their space, they invest well into it because that's something we never played with. So you realize that people come into the industry now, they're not just looking at opening a bar at the roadside. No. Back in the day, opening at the roadside maybe could be cool. People don't mind sitting at the roadside to have their Guinness on a plastic table. Yeah. Not anymore. It has changed. And what's next? Uh, <laughs> it's one of the questions you don't ask. <laughs> no, stay, stay tuned, stay tuned. Yeah, stay tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> okay, my very final question. Do both of you think individually that you would have been able to survive these trials, um, everything you've gone through, starting this business, keeping it five years on, do you think you could have done it individually? No. No, no not at all. Why not? I'd have, I'd have, <laughs> I'd have lost it. <laughs> at what point? I'm actually interested. At what <laughs> for, point? From the beginning. <laughs> yeah. We are, we are, we see ourselves like a complete yin and yang. Right. It's, Certain times I have to be bad. Certain times it has to be good. Mm. Sometimes you have to fire somebody. Sometimes you have to, somebody has to go out there and go to certain meetings. Sometimes somebody has to do something. Tough, tough decisions. Yeah, and if it's just one person, you, I don't think you can because you have a conscience, but you're talking to yourself. Yeah. But sometimes being able to talk to someone that understands the situation gives you the strength. Right. You know, we, I, for this business, no way. I couldn't have done it by myself. And I'm getting the impression that because both of you had a lot of respect and you had that professionalism involved, because I hear this a lot how, and I think I've probably even seen this in my family, how you'd work with a very close friend or a relative and it never works out because somehow one party is very lax about things, lazy about things. But I get the impression that that's not the dynamic between both of you. And I think it makes a lot of difference. Yeah, yeah. like we said, it's, it's, it's bigger than us. It's, right. And one day we'll sit back and just take a look, and hopefully there'll be uh, about 150 different variations of bar of bars in Ghana that are owned by young people. Yeah, but but don't don't get it wrong. Um, we're human. Sometimes yeah. we can get very complacent. Yeah. And. That's the beauty about our, our friendship and our relationship. I think I'm his number one critic. Right. Likewise, he's my number one critic. If I have to prompt him that we have to do something because maybe I feel he has a skill that he's not using it as he would back in the day, I would tell him. Mm. If he feels I'm slacking with maybe innovation or doing certain things, he would tell me that, Kofi, of late, you they lose God. Yeah. And that's one thing that we don't, we don't hide the truth from each other. Okay. Oh, we are very blunt. 
<laughs> oh, yeah, very. Oh, we are very blunt with each other. <laughs> we'll say that's it is. Crazy. Yeah, and then we'll keep moving. All right, so let's have your parting words. What are your final words each? Okay. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It cuts me off. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, I, like I said, um, the prospect of hospitality is, is amazing, and I hope more entrepreneurs will venture in. Um, and when we say hospitality, there are different aspects. Let's say one of the key aspects that I feel like a lot of young entrepreneurs can venture in is the supply chain. Mm. There are a lot of gaps in the supply chain. So if we have people that will get in and fill in these spots, be it vegetable supply, drink supply, even if it's ice, detergents, like there are so many aspects where people can actually get in right. and make it a more sustainable um, industry. So I just feel like for if young entrepreneurs are out there, you can just take a look at the supply chain aspect of hospitality. There's a lot of prospects in that. Okay, so my, my mine is simple. It's more of a one is more of a wish. I wish Ghanaians would learn how to work with each other. Mm. Because um in in our space, the beautiful thing is in twenty nineteen year of return. Yeah. It was the young Ghanaians that held Ghana when we talk about hospitality right. and tourism. If you look at all the events and all the venues, there were the young people who were running the Afrochella and yeah. you know, all the other businesses that opened. And if you look at 2020, if you look at 2021, the number of young people in this industry, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. But the, the sad part is it's it's competition and it's something that I think stems from maybe our educational background where it's always about who being first and nobody cares about the second. Right. So people are always trying to bring the other down. And a typical example is when we started this, when other bars were coming up, Ghanaians were quick to say, ah, this bar is bringing Broom Bar down. It'd be so, it's about time. Oh. It's not a cool thing to even say. Yeah. But people take pride in seeing businesses fall. Mm. That person, if my business falls today, the hundred and something workers that I employ, one of them could be something of yours. Yeah. They will struggle. But I wish we would change our attitude towards each other and make it more loving and supportive in our industry. Because I think together we can accomplish so much. If you look at the Lebanese now, they're coming together with the Indians. Right. They're doing amazing things. The Lebanese have even realized that if they invest proper into hospitality, they could push the Ghanaians out because Ghanaians have taken over. Mm. Let's, let's, let's be honest. If you look at the nightlife in the restaurant space, oh, the Ghanaians are doing exceedingly well. But we've seen a trend and it's about to happen. They're about to, the Lebanese are going to invest heavy into the space now. Yes. Mm. Because they see that we can't even work amongst ourselves to to, to do things. So they're partnering up. To set up amazing spaces. And it's coming. So I wish Ghanaians, even people in our sector, we could once in a while sit down and talk about what we can do to impact the industry further than we have done. Because we've done nothing. We've only scratched the surface of hospitality. Right. That's a a wish. That's amazing. Yeah. I I don't want to end it, but I have to end it. (laughs) So thank you very much. I'm just going to... But even before that, I think 
I usually like to close off and by saying how inspiring, how grateful I am for such examples ahead of us. I almost asked you if you had role models guessing into this, but I get the impression that you don't. <laughs> and, and for me, I think it makes a lot of difference that we can see people that have gone ahead of us and they're making tremendous change. So thank you for that. And I really wish you absolutely all the best. Thank you. Thanks for having us. That's all from us for now. But the Launchpad Stories podcast will be back shortly. To connect with the Launchpad team, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn under NDC Launchpad. If you would like to connect with Endowon and Company, on Twitter, we are at Endowon Company. And on Instagram and LinkedIn, we are n.dowona and company. If you would like to listen to the previous episodes, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. This episode was produced and edited by me, Safo Akono, and Norte Dowona. Thank you and goodbye.